Greetings everyone once again. This is V aka Vernon English and yes switching a lot of things up and I love that once again just part of the journey and enjoying all parts included and as an artist it comes with the liberty of actually adding more to what it is that I wanted to create or convey and that's why I'm just happy that I have listeners and I have more and more listeners each day but then too I get the liberty of adding more to what it is that I originally wrote and I get to describe these characters in detail because I know I can do way way more with the descriptions that I have so the last one and the one before this one is an interesting interpretation of these characters that I, I portrayed. The lucky one with flight was this portrayal of the, the band of the chrome. And that's one of my favorites because she's just a strong female character, which I do not see on a daily of just this personification of a female leader. And I wanted to have that as something to build upon. And you'll see it as I describe the other later parts of the story. And then the last one before this one was Love uh, Memory Lost or Games Lost. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> it is um, Memory Games Love Lost. And that one was one that hit home. And it was quite personal for me to even describe something that I wrote in 2014 and 2015. And to have that character have his memories lost, but then have unrequited love. And I think that's a romantic thing, but it's quite the antithesis of romance by having someone have something and then it not being returned back. And I'm pretty sure a lot of male people in this society can identify with that at some point in time in their life, or even a female of having someone that they focus on and someone that they actually have, but it ultimately coming out as a fantasy or something that they made up in their mind. Now, it's not so much made up, and I described that in the last one, that it actually truly was his own memories that were lost. Now, also, so I gave the description and he was talking about Celia, but later on they have these interactions and he goes on to even describe and has another conversation with her and then she actually has a response and that would be the culmination of the first and second book the seeds of the time before time and hearing colors to kill sounds now this one in particular is the guardian and the girl that could see and the girl that could see is a pun, a pun on words because she's ultimately blind. And in this world of Celestial, I have many different characters that I describe, many different scenarios of just mass amnesia, mass Alzheimer's. And I wanted that to be the running theme as the beginning of the book, as the opening scene in most instances so people get a clear description of what it was that I was describing and that was the original setting 
so you have the guardian which is a ginormous black man bald guy probably stands at an egregious nine feet walking around moving faster than the fastest gazelle and I, I jokingly say this but he actually does move just that fast muscle bound ironclad looks like a mythological fig a figure and this young girl who is a refugee and the refugee is this description of just this personification that I have of this girl who could not see anything but she was blind and in a world of forgotten memories where people are raping pillaging killing everything it is the saddest thing to have a blind girl outside like exploring things and experiencing things for the first time and under the first glance or look you really couldn't even tell that she was blind to even begin with truly i don't even know where i came up with such a character it was something that i wanted to just describe as a series of emotions a series or a process that would invoke some sense of emotion from me if I was to read it once again. And I wanted to have this so that I could come back and meticulously pick through it again and then add to it as a character. And I knew it. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it that me reading it now, as I get excited about it, that there would be something to describe. So that's initially where the story began. And as you can see in the first book, and then ultimately in the second book, I tie the stories in with one another. And if you could believe just what I was describing as in the first book and second book, I had Oleander who creates an event. And so his events are what he experiences, and then ultimately it affects all the characters in the entire book. And so he lays siege to a village, or he fights these meteorite monsters, and they lay wage and siege to the entire countryside with fire and brimstone and other mythological things. And then other characters and refugees have to move around it or they have to accommodate for it. And even in the instance of the Band of the Crow, where they come are, are involved and they speak with one another and they speak with the refugees and then they have a conflict. And so then it ultimately affects the guardian and the, the blind girl. And I love how I tied each and every one of these stories together because now I get to see the framework in which I can work with later. So enough, I will describe it to you. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I wake up every morning just excited to read more from the story because now I get to write more for my fourth book. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Peace. Okay, so just to describe how I crafted these characters and how ultimately I wanted something to culminate from it, my ultimate understanding was just this poetic or poeticisms behind this and to have something as not a tragedy but something as a, an endearment story the endearment story and to have it culminate into a larger larger grand scale and now I see now as to how I can work with it 
And the, the story basically starts with the road meander down the cobblestone walkway worn with erosion of lost souls and participation. The floor adorns the walls with leaves, some dead, painted peeling. Fires around them, here in the horizon, screams the normal conjecture, living the perils of survival. Onyx can be seen jumping through tepid crowds, settling disputes with different mother tongues. His fire holds weight. And so that was just one description of one of the characters, as in, in the distance and in the surrounding adjacent parts, another character, and quite possibly another, as I described, and it says, will they ever learn? The young Fimula unaffected by the carnage. Only Ender must have been through here on one of his travels. Limbs missing, the little one counts. Three and four, five digits gone. Four and four, no more arms. Two and two lids, no more. Yo, yo, no more, no more. And so, basically, this scene was describing the innocence and the intricacies of this blind girl walking through a countryside and counting these grotesque things, but having a playful-esque element to all of them is if what a child would ultimately do if she was alone and was doing what she wanted to do in the countryside, unawares of the dangers and other bandits that were there. And so then you have Onyx that shows up, and he basically dispatches all the bandits who were hunting her and who were looking to ultimately kill her, and then she ultimately follows the the guardian who saves her. And it says, uh, one of the one of them, as in the bandits, motions with his eyes what to transpire. They had been using images to speak for stellar cycles. That is how they survived the carnal rampage of the silver-haired one, which is I describe as Oleander. His dark fires never went out, otherworldly, one of the men for a show doubt, motioning why was a young one all alone in the field of dead bodies. And perhaps she, no more images were needed save onslaught of laughter, a bloodstained folly. The plan was rigged to formation, their eyes were glued, three to the left flushed her out, triangle shoe, one would remain in hiding for any occurrences in celestial you never really knew. And so they were the bandits planning on and motioning to one another as they were in the brush and she was going about frolicking to attack. And so they were wondering if this was really true, what was going on, is was it a trap or something? And so then they ultimately took it as a basic, like they were just going for it. And so the Manfrey began to charge. Whatever was coming, they would go out swinging. The shortest Manfrey perished first. A slight misstep in the Guardian caught him from the left blind side to the temple, a 95 degree chop from above, acute angle, knocking perception in half, one going up, one going down, no sound. The second man Freud followed the path, the first calculated plots, precision, spilt bead for killing. Even as a youth, she could feel the vibration these beings gave off, nothing compared to the guardian. The last bandit fled, <laughs> natural progression, the guardian quickly lapped him in godlike speed. Someone his size should not be able to move in such ways. In such ways, I tell this story, look into yourself if you do not believe. And so this was me interjecting my narrative skills. And I don't do that very often as far as even describing what it was that these people or Manfreds, as I call them, were experiencing. And the giant sits, as I say, with the young Femula in hand, lent his giant Manfred fingers. 
bent in the most awkward of ways, huddled how fast he carried. Mind speak, the young Fimula understood if she could see the future, why had she not simply moved? Her and the gameless tooth of dreams dropped from mouth. Plop, the guardian seized the opportunity to halt. Clever. No one said, no voices in head. The youth shook her hands, motioning with tiny digits, voices, noises, synapses. So unique, the guardian read what the youth was implying. Cracked a smile, the first very sense they had met. His bald headdress bore a crescent, hoisting the skinny she over shoulders, bellowing from subtle nuances, a joke on the bandits taken too far. And so, yes, basically the bandits were killed by this large guardian. And I'm pretty sure, as I describe this scene in Grotesque as it is, how they were going to do the same to the little girl. But he stepped in in lightning fast speed to stop them. And I love that about part of the story because I wanted that to be a description of just at nature versus nurture. You have these mythological creatures that are there. Anything is possible. And to have someone save someone is something out of completely the norm. It doesn't happen often. And I wanted that to be as an endearment, something that I could look at and be like, wow, that's a great story because I'm excited about it and I come back to it. So, yes, thank you guys for listening. I'll describe more of this story in the breakdown. And as you can see, there was Oleander in there. There was the other guy, Onyx, in there and many other characters, which I'll tie in together. And if you're reading or have read the first book and how wildly confusing it is, then you'll understand and appreciate this a bit more. And be looking for more. The more you guys log in and respond, the faster I update. So thank you so much. This is V. Hit the subscribe button. Peace, peace.